When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Back-to-back shows. We had Monday show to recap that playoff game. It's Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Uh, just uh, just on a podcast. Just on a podcast. Just on a podcast. Just letting the people know. Uh, shouldn't have that issue next week uh, about, you know, like being a day later than normal. Just letting you know, you know. Expect your feeds that morning. Clear your schedule because today, oh no, what are you trying to do? I thought you were going to be like, oh, you're just going to expect a loss. We won't even have another. Wow, no, I told you wait till Thursday for my prediction. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying that we we were a day late because it was prime time and you went to the game and, you know, we would have recorded two in the morning and we aren't aren't built different. Um, So we uh, let our producer not stay up till 4 a.m. and then work the next day. Uh, So, you know, Next week, though. Next week. Next week. It'll be week. a normal okay. one. It'll be a normal one. I'm hoping we're just three pods a week until after Valentine's Day because that means this team is playing in the Super Bowl. But a lot of football left. And honestly, just had this thought this morning. Again, when you have Joe Burrow, you have number nine. Things are going to be different. But we're sitting here today. I know they've only won one playoff game in, in the wild card this weekend. But we're one game away from the AFC championship game, from talking about another AFC championship game, back-to-back seasons of playing on divisional weekend. And this is absolutely huge for this team and, and kind of what we're seeing here when it comes to expectation. So I don't know. I, I like the vibe in the air. And honestly, it seems calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. I thought uh, uh, this game feels much more normal. The Ravens game just felt weird. Um, I know there's also some weirdness around this game with everything that happened on Monday Night Football, but this this game just feels more like, uh, okay, we're in like a real playoff game. I thought that the Ravens game wasn't a playoff game. I definitely had the nerves of a playoff game when that's right before it started. I was like, oh, no, what if they lose? <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, th- that didn't feel as much like a true – you know, this is Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. This is what you expect. Two of the best teams in the NFL, not just the AFC, going at it. Like the last one felt so much like there was asterisks of like Lamar's not playing. So this is Joe Burr versus Tyler Huntley. And we got to put Mark Andrews picture up there to promote this game instead of <laughs> anytime the teams, anytime the, the, uh, in a playoff game, the other team has a player that is not the quarterback up for, <laughs> as their picture there. Hey, San Francisco might be able to do it. I was gonna say they're not, they're not a real Super Bowl contender, but Hey, you know, San Francisco is probably gonna be Nick Bosa's their picture. Not going to be Brock Purdy, but um, so maybe they'll prove me wrong, but yeah, this feels like true, true playoff game. This feels like the big one. Uh, this is a huge game. This was very exciting when it was being played on Monday night football and uh, it's Tony and Jim are, are very nice, friendly, fun duo announcing this game. 
Yeah. I'm again, I need to learn my lesson right before we hit record on this podcast. I retweeted the record. The Bengals are four and one with this crew as a broadcast crew since Tony Romo has joined them. They have three chiefs wins under this crew, huge games, AFC championship game, regular season. You won, you won the AFC North last year. Then this year in December, I'm not even mad about it. I'm not mad about it. And there's one thing about Tony Romo. He has a really good broadcasting jinx because as soon as he says something about someone, something crazy will happen later. So I'm all about it. And I know he's going to love Josh Allen and Tony Romo's going to love Joe Burrow when he makes plays. You just got to go ahead and get ahead early and then we won't. Yeah, have please any- just don't come out flat. Like that's the big one. You know, every time that, you know, Tony is not talking up Burroughs because the offense came out and stunk. You can think of that Buccaneers game. Offense stunk. <laughs> it just stinks every time like, they come out and they, they don't play well. And then Tony starts hyping up the other guy because they're playing well. And then everybody gets upset about it. But I'm telling you, when Tony's going to talk nice about your team, which he has done, I feel like people muted or something by the time it's the second half and they start cooking back. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think Tony's a good announcer. Um, I, I like his input. I think he's a smart guy. I, he has gotten a little bit away from my favorite thing, which is when he would just tell us what is about to happen. But uh, bring that back, and he'll be all the way up there. But no, I, I, I like you have you hammer home. I feel like every time we get this crew is uh, this is a big game, and this is a big game. Yep, I want them to be calling a lot of Joe Burrow's games because it means they are playing good football late in the season, and maybe some of that January football that continues. And he said Chase is on the case. And that is going to be a game we'll never forget. And one of my favorite calls from Tony Romo because Chase went off in January of last year. But I'm going to stay with broadcasters right now. And I'm going to connect it with the play because I've watched it 100 times. And we talked about it on yesterday's episode, the 98-yard run by – they're calling it Fumble in the Jungle, which I, I like. I think that's the best name for Sam Hubbard's return. Mike Tirico, man. That was seriously one of my favorite calls. Everything he did from the crowd noise to the Cincinnati kid, that that's going to be played over and over again. And we're going to remember what happened in that wild card moment. You said off the air that Mike Trico and Chris Collinsworth are moving up there on your broadcast. Grill. Yeah, they are. I, I thought Chris was good. I thought Tariko was awesome and reminds me of like, I can't believe this guy hasn't been announcing for a few years because NBC had Al Michaels and Tariko would just do like weird off games. But yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, you had that call and then it felt like Chris for the most part was giving good input. Like there was one time the Ravens ran a play. They always run. And he was like, I don't know what's going on here. The other guys are running that way. <laughs> I was like, okay, Chris, don't talk about it. Why are we showing the play if you don't know what's going on? <laughs> but um, I thought overall he was good. Like I, I liked what he was able to provide input wise. I also love, this is very stupid. I do love the NBC that the players, you know, they introduce, they introduce themselves. So that's one of my favorite things. You know? Sometimes I got funny ones and not that many this week. But uh, yeah, I, I like the crew. I enjoyed Chris's input. I give him like a B plus and then Tariko was like an A plus. So I'm expecting hate on that. I know everybody hates Chris. They do. But here's the thing. I feel like the Bengals have played a lot of bad Sunday night football games when Chris Collinsworth is on the call. So obviously he's not going to say amazing things. So you're just getting met at a bad time. But I like Mike Tariko out there and, and hope we we hear more of him. Did you see that clip? 
Uh, they showed it on the pregame during the game. And I actually just saw it afterwards. I think I saw it on TikTok um, from one of the sports accounts when Joe Burrow's walking in and he just taps Chris Collinsworth on the shoulder yeah, and he doesn't yeah. even turn around to see that he noticed him. And Chris just like looks over him and Joe just doesn't even acknowledge him because Joe can do that because he's Joe Burrow. He did the classic tap the wrong shoulder. Yeah. They look that way and. Never looked, never looked back, and that's why he's he's Joe Cool. Uh, but no, no, I'm I'm pumped about the game. And um, a reminder: if you can, if you don't like Tony Romo, go listen to Dan and Lap if you're local. They're great on the call. And I don't know how that works out of state, but if you're you're local and you can listen to them, make sure you're you're listening to the to the local guys. But let's move on. Offensive line. You went back and watched the tape. There's some concerns. I think if you were to watch any national sports shows this week when they talk about Cincinnati, offensive line, it is back. It's been the topic for 10 years, and I felt like we didn't have to talk about it for the majority of the season, but we're right back here. What did you see from Jackson Carmen? I mean, it wasn't like an abject disaster. It was not good, but like, it was kind of probably a little bit better than he did last playoffs when he was put in there or last year when he was put in there, but he got protected too. I mean, uh, he had the sack. That was the only five-step drop that they ran. So the Bengals, this I think typifies exactly how the Bengals feel about this. When Jonah Williams was in there in the first half, they only ran 26% quick game, which is, I don't know the exact numbers of everybody, but that feels somewhere close to average in the second half. They ran 56% quick game. So ball out two seconds, you know, quick game, everything. It's funny when I think it was uh, Aditi said, like, this is a rhythm and timing based on every offense is anymore. Like this isn't 1974. Every offense has the footwork of the quarterback tied to the routes that are going on. So quick game is a very quick three or it's a one step and throw. So it's slant flat, you know, it's throwing slant routes, it's throwing hitches, it's throwing quick out stick routes. So when they only ran six of those in the first half for 26% of their plays, they ran 10 of them in the second half. And that was only on 18 plays, five less plays. And they ran it four more times. So that's all right. That's, that's protecting, that's protecting your offensive line. That's what it does. That ball is out in two seconds. The offensive line doesn't have a chance to lose. Then you look at the other end of the spectrum. The Bengals run five-step drops when they want to take good shots downfield if it's not play action. If they want to get into their drop-back game, they ran that five times in the first half. That's a normal amount, 22% or so. They ran that one time in the second half, and it was a play Jackson Carmen gave up a sack on, which I still don't see the P. Ryan was supposed to chip there. The broadcaster announced it, or the, the, the announcer said that, but when I watch it, P. Ryan's got his eyes inside. He never looks at the end. And if I'm picking a guy that made a mistake on a play, I think I'm going to pick the guy that got thrown in the left tackle uh, without any preparation over the best pass protection back that the Bengals have. So one five-step drop, and it was a sack. So that is the one where you have to protect for two and a half to three seconds, and the Bengals couldn't. Three-step drops. Even that, they cut down the number, ran more quick game. Like three-step drops, you're probably thinking about two and a half seconds, quarterback at about seven yards of depth. 34.8% um, in the first half. It was actually the most common con uh, level of passing game. It's not a quick three. It's an actual push off the first foot, full crossover, land on your back foot. You can hitch and then throw. You're thinking in routes, uh, like 10 yards downfield, curl routes, those type of things. 
five of them in the second half. Like that, that almost became, which is 27.8% of the plays that almost became their five-step drop. Like <laughs> the quick game is everything. And then when they want to take a, a sh- shot a little bit downfield, they've just run a three-step drop. So that is, uh, that I think typifies everything that happened with the offensive line here and the offense, because the offense was good in the first half. I, I see all the takes that offense scored twice in the first half. They moved the ball pretty well. There was one drive in the second half that it moved well, and then the Ravens adjusted to stop the quick game a bit, and the the Bengals had to try to get to their five-step drop, give up a sack. Hardman held on a, on a run play, and run game is nothing, and they only pick up one first down, and it was off a penalty and those other drives. See, this is why I can trust you, and I know I'm going to get the truth because there was some hype for Dax and Carmen after the game. There was some- it was, like I said, like all this was to say he was very protected. Okay. He also didn't play terrible. Like it was better than I expected. I expected him to go out there and it, and this to be really really bad, but it was just you know normal level of bad. I mean, you go into halftime. Like I don't think he was the worst uh, offensive lineman on the field in that second half. That that, that that doesn't make you feel better about things, does it? It doesn't because they have three injuries. <laughs> gonna still start this guy. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, no, no, not at all. Well, the, the guy I think that didn't play as well was um, sadly my guy Adenogy there. Um, he really struggled in this game, and but I have more faith that Adenogy pulls it around than uh, than pretty much anybody else that is being thrust in this lineup because Adenogy just played two solid games in a row, and including that little bit of a first quarter, he was good in that one. So. If anybody's going to turn it around, I, I'm going to trust the guy who had one bad game out of the three he's played. Yeah, I, I kind of want to get to what the rotation is going to look like in our next segment, but we'll go ahead and, and, and go to a couple more guys. Max Sharping, obviously filling the role of Alex Kappa right now. To be determined, we don't know. Of course, people report he's week to week or he could come back. Um, if he's healthy for the AFC Championship game, nobody knows right now. Zach Taylor is just saying week to week for Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams. But how did Max look? Not good. Um, I thought Kalias Campbell had the better of both guards. Uh, it wasn't similar to what I said about Carmen. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good. It was somebody, and he had to be out there for the five-step drops and all these, you know, longer developing plays. So, you know, take that for what it is. And I don't know if you'll have those next week. Hopefully they'll still be able to get to some of those. But, you know, when you're looking at that, it's, yeah, a tough job. I thought he didn't perform that well, but it wasn't terrible. Like it was livable. I think Um, you don't want that level of performance, but it wasn't, it did not make me think we gotta, you know, we gotta see what Trey Hill's got or something like that. You know, like we have to hit the free free agency market. Like it's somebody that you, it's not going to be fun, but you could work around if that's his performance every week and he could play better because the Ravens front is better than the Bills front in my opinion I I think without Von Miller this Bills front isn't doesn't get that much of a pass rush you look at the Dolphins offensive line it's not very good outside of Teron Armstead and maybe Connor Williams so they've got a not so great right tackle they've got a, a not so great left guard and they're able to take shots they're able to push the ball they didn't really get that much the Bills didn't get that much pressure from beating those guys they stressed the communication a bit and that could be an issue for the Spanish offensive line but yeah Sharping it wasn't good, but it was livable, I think. And I think livable is all you need right now as you have a bandaged 
offensive line, but you know, hopefully you get good news when it comes to the guys who are injured. I feel like we're going to see a little bit of a rotation in musical chairs. We're going to get to that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.